0: Amen. Amen. So we are going to deal with rejection. How many of you have ever tried to share the gospel and were rejected because of it? Hey, so it's going to apply. Great. I love it. All right. So um, we're going to cover uh, a few different things. We're going to start sort of just hypothetically thinking um, and then go into a couple of the questions about evangelism and rejection. And then there's going to be five encouragements. All right? Because when it comes down to it, what... I'll I'll go ahead and spoil it. Rejection. I'll go ahead. Oh, I will... (laughs) I'll... I won't go ahead. I'll say, I'll spoil this and say, now where's the dollar i got to put into the jar? Um, I'll tell you that rejection is a glorious thing. In fact, one of the things that we will see in the scriptures is that rejection is one of the greatest things in revealing our faith. When we are rejected and we can stand in that rejection, that is a demonstration of the Spirit of God within us. And so we should be happy. We should rejoice even for those moments of rejection. All right? The the main verse that we're going to look at today is going to be in 1 Peter 4. 14. All right? First Peter 4:14. 4, now what's interesting four, four, verse Yeah okay. so, like, four No, 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 no. First Peter chapter 4, the 14th verse, but we'll actually start, let's start up at verse 12 because this whole section of the scripture is talking about suffering, as a Christian how many of you agree that as Christians we should suffer yeah we actually are called to suffer in a similar way that Christ has so when we look in verse 12 it says beloved so Peter is talking to Christians here right do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of God and of God, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And so what are the three things that we see when we read these verses? Well, first off is that we are to rejoice in the suffering that is similar to that of Christ. We rejoice in it. We are thankful for it. It's not pleasant in the moment, but it will be over in a moment's time. And we can then rejoice in those moments. All right? It also says that we are overjoyed We should be overjoyed at the thought when His glory is revealed. When Christ returns, we know that the race is over. How many of you have ever uh, been in a road race? Done like a half marathon, whatever. What did it feel like when you saw that finish line? Oh, thank you, Lord. Exactly. You, You see the finish line and then... All of a sudden, you feel this burst of energy. I have just been hating life. I, my stomach hurts. I'm sweating profusely. I adjust my legs, the lactic acid buildup. It's all horrible. And then you don't remember any of that when you finally see that finish line. And that's going to be that moment when Christ returns. We will see that the finish is here, that it is over. We've run the race. And so we, we glorify and we are overjoyed by that. But then that last part, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. This is saying that when we go through the suffering, when we go through the rejection, and we are able to hold strong, that is evidence of the spirit of God within you. All right? And that's especially true. Now, can individuals be rejected because they are being, they're in the flesh and they're saying and doing things that are probably offensive? Yeah, absolutely. Um, That type of rejection is not the kind that we're talking about here. The kind of rejection that we're talking about here is when the believer in kindness and in love they present the gospel and because the gospel is so offensive this person just i can remember and i think i've said this story before but the young gentleman that was the architect student from unlv when i kept talking to him about how we all deserve hell he would literally look at me and say if you say that again I'm going to smack you across the face. And I'm like going, well, you can feel free to, Um, but I'm not going to deny the truth. And the truth is, is that because of our sin, we have separated ourselves from God and we deserve hell. I mean, in that moment of salvation, when you recognize your sin and how it is, An offense to God. Don't you naturally recognize how you deserve hell? But the difference is is that when you cry out in repentance and you cry out to God, you see and experience that forgiveness that is offered by Christ because of what He accomplished on the cross. And because of that, all of a sudden, you feel this comfort to know that what you could not do and your inability to remove was accomplished by Jesus Christ. And that is all that you want to hold on to. All right. So let's think hypothetically. You have been in this class now for the past. This is week number eight. And again, I, the sheet says seven. Cross that out. Mark 8, sorry, my mistake. Um, and you're wanting to be better. You're wanting to do better at sharing the gospel. And so I'm willing to bet that you have been doing some praying. You've been doing some studying. You've been thinking about how you could go about doing this. You, you probably have even started thinking about if you were to share the gospel, which family member would it be? Which co-worker would it be? Or classmate? Which um, neighbor would it be? Would it be that neighbor that you, you know that for some reason there, you could smell the stench of pot every night <laughs> coming from their home? Is that the one that you want to share the Gospel with? Yes. yes. So what ends up happening is you start to do that and then you finally have that moment, all right? You're in the conversation with the individual and that individual is having a good time talking with you and then you flip the conversation from the natural to the spiritual. And once you do that and you begin to share the gospel, and they, all of a sudden, throw their finger in your face and say, don't you ever say that. How do you feel? What is it that comes to mind when that happens? Like you, did something wrong. you did something wrong. And so you evaluate, okay, did I do anything? Did I say anything that was untrue? Did I say anything that was demeaning? Did I say anything? And then you... You go from there, right? How many of you would be could give me an example of a time that you were rejected? <laughs> <laughs> Christian. Every game I'm at t mobile. And I've witnessed a couple of people almost every game. And
1: all, all of them rejected. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. All the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. Does anyone have like a specific memory that always comes to mind when they think of rejection? Yeah.
1: Um, I have. Uh, I'm from Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. So we have like in our
2: culture, you know, a culture also in the Bible is we have to be uh, married before uh, having kids, right? Mm-hmm. So I have. I a son before marriage so my mom has been you know rejected me you know we just trying to build this relationship again this past
0: two years. Mm-hmm. So yeah I I feel you know when you're rejected you feel very alone, empty you know, Absolutely. Like you said like you did something wrong. Right, right. Yeah. Um my oh, oh no no, no, no go ahead. You no know, I was just gonna say uh
2: like one guy hit. Hey, I just gave a muscle track, and he started yelling at me. Like, how dare you say? How dare you try to teach me something about religion? Don't you know you're you're a
1: kid, and I'm like an old man. He yelled at me. He also had one too. So those those Yeah.
0: The the one that always comes to mind for me was the time down on uh, Fremont Street, and there was a young lady that was coming up. And um, I gave her a gospel track, and she looked at it, and she's like, what is this? And I said, well, it's a gospel track. And I said, started up the conversation, went into it, and after about two minutes, all of a sudden, she said, you know what? If you're wanting my time, I, I'm going someplace where I'm actually going to get paid So if you're not paying me, I'm leaving. And in that moment, I realized, oh my goodness, she's a prostitute. (laughs) And I was so dumbfounded with her response that I just, my brain went blank, totally blank. And it was like, then for, for, and all of a sudden as I'm driving home and I'm thinking and I'm praying about it, I came to the realization that, wait a second, Doug. You had 20 bucks in your pocket. I should have pulled it out and said, would you talk to me if I give you this? I, I, would, I would be willing to give her 20 bucks if she would stay there and listen to me share the gospel. And so that's why I always carry money. I carry because not, not just that, not just that, but, but also like when I get the homeless, the homeless come up and they're asking for money. I want to be able to say, you know what? I, I can't give you money, but let, let's go down to McDonald's and I'll buy you something and we'll just sit and talk. Oh yeah, sure. And you always carry money just for that so that when the Lord opens the door, you can go through it and use the, the gospel. I was going to say, or you could buy a couple of gift cards. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Because frequently,
1: people who are homeless Take that money. If you don't take them down right. somewhere other than McDonald's, if you don't take them to go get food directly,
0: they
1: will take that money and go buy cigarettes, alcohol, mm-hmm. or other sort food. Of mm-hmm. So, you've.
0: You, aren't a bad idea. Yeah, because they have to use it for that. Yep. So, all right. Let's get into section two. A couple of questions about evangelism and rejection. So, here's the question. And give me some answers. Why do you think that people reject the gospel? Okay, raise your hand. I think they're scared. They're scared. What do you mean? Go explain that a little bit more. God is, God
1: is um, scary. He yells at you. you know, so. <laughs> You know, they don't want to turn away from their sins, I think. They're Mm -hmm. scared because they don't know, for me, like they don't know the difference between what's good and bad, I feel like. Okay, yeah.
3: Danielle? I feel like deep down they know that the things that they do are sinful. (laughs) And like like I said, like deep down they they know that Mm -hmm. they are being judged for it, but they don't want to like bring that to light. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. A specific example I remember is talking with somebody where she said that that when she thought about God, she thought about her parents and how Mm. poorly her parents treated her. And if they had an experience where their parents were religious, like my friend her parents were Catholic, so and they would treat her like like like
2: like
0: yeah, there are a lot of improper views on who God is. I mean, there are those individuals that you end up talking to that will, will say, you know what? It's all about the rules. You just got to follow the rules. And, and I love being able to say, no, it's not. It's not about the rules because you can never follow them perfectly. And that's required to be able to enter heaven. So, Hannah. They uh, see this thing especially of Christians, and they go, you know, how could God let that these so called people? How could that happen? The hypocrites. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um hypocrisy is one of those biggest things that individuals will end up rejecting. Um what does the script... Oh, David. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Or reject the gospel. Reject the gospel.
2: So John three, white people didn't want their sins to be exposed. So that's one reason
1: they reject the
0: Exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So in summary, um, individuals do not want to, I think you were saying, the, have their sins exposed. They don't want individuals to see their sins and admit that they have those sins. Um, oftentimes, individuals who are unbelievers like to hide their sin because they know that they will be judged. All right. Um, one of the things that I will often tell individuals, especially if someone is self-righteous and you're, as you're using the law to try to show them what their heart is and how their heart is, and they're telling me, I'll ask them, you know, is there any time that you've told a lie? Oh, no, I've never told a lie. Oh, is there ever a time that you've stolen anything? (laughs) Absolutely not. And so then what I'll say is, you know what? What if we did this? What if we had a recorder that recorded every action that you had this next week? And then there was also a mic that recorded every word that you said. And then on top of that, there was a chip that could record every thought. And then next week, we come here down on Fremont Street, and we play your life in front of everyone. Would you feel comfortable? <laughs> and for yet, I have not heard one person say yes. And I say, that shows that you know you have sinned. If you could not live or have your life shown, that rec- you recognize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I can present myself as pointing at their sins and telling them their need. Mm-hmm. But, but when I admit my own need, mm-hmm. I can show them their sin and I can tell them they've lied or, you know, mm-hmm. convince them that they, they're a sinner. But really, only God can do that. Right.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Instead of putting up that wall, you know. You're making them defensive. Mm hmm. When you start telling Mm -hmm. them they're a sinner, you're making them defensive. And that's one of the best techniques, I think, especially you will know how the conversation goes, those moments when you need just to say, because what I'll do is when I'm going through the good person test, I'll say, let's go through it together. Um. Or if, it's, if I could tell that the conversation is sort of on like really um, uneven ground, I'll just say, you know what, let's just look at me. And that way they don't have to feel defensive. And I think that that's a wonderful thing that you can utilize. So um, Hannah, you had your hand up for a second there.
1: We and all I can be honest with you I'm a very wicked person. I and I've been I've been laughed at for that, be like, oh what, how so? And <laughs> um, you know, I I would get like not necessarily personal into personal sense, but you know, be like you realize I'm a liar, right? I'm <laughs>
0: That's the farthest thing from the truth, right? So, all right. Um, So why do people reject the gospel? Well, we've heard a bunch of different reasons why they reject it. But what is some of the encouragement that we can take from the rejection is to know that when individuals reject, are they rejecting you or are they rejecting God? God, right? They're not rejecting you, per se. They're rejecting the message that you're bringing. And because of that, we can take some comfort in knowing that it's not really us that they're rejecting. Although we are with God, we want to to defend God, but He's quite capable of defending Himself. All right? And so... When that is happening, we need to recognize that we're not being the ones rejected. They're not doing this to us per se. So
1: didn't Jesus say that they were, they're not rejecting you; they're
0: rejecting me? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he said. So it is not that um, that they are rejecting us; they are actually rejecting the gospel. And and the gospel to most individuals is not a sweet and fragrant thing. It's actually, it reveals death. Because when you look at it and you're saying to an individual that if you, by your self-righteousness, do not accept Jesus Christ, where are you going to spend eternity? Hell, right? Pahrump. And that, prompt. <laughs> ah. Wow, <laughs> Trump, oh man, that's not good. So, <laughs> so um, we are not responsible for the effects of our evangelism, just as we cannot com- uh, claim success when someone comes to salvation. We cannot take the hit when we are rejected. People reject the gospel because it denies their view of themselves. They reject the oftentimes people reject the gospel because they just don't like the fact that now my view of who I am has just been affected. Because oftentimes, if you ask a 100 people, if they are a good person, (laughs) what percentage of individuals do you think say, Oh, yeah, I'm a good person. Right? I, every once in a while, and this is the, the way that you know you're speaking to a Christian, is they will say, oh, absolutely not. Why? Why do they say that? Because they recognize their sinfulness. And that's only because of the grace of God that they would ever be considered good enough to go to heaven. So, all right. Number two, the second question. Why then... Do we evangelize? Give me some reasons why we evangelize. We've dealt with this before
1: because some people will
0: accept it. Amen. Because some people will accept it. Because some people will accept it, we evangelize, right? Because Christ us. Because Christ commands us. And he he no, does not give a yoke that is too hard. It's not too hard. What's another reason? Love. Thank you, brother. Love. Absolutely. I used to tell individuals when we would be down on um, Las Vegas Boulevard in front of the Bellagio, I would say, I pray that every one of you will have a moment that as you're handing out gospel tracts and you see individuals that are walking by, the Lord will imprint on you how some of these individuals just marching straight to hell and that your heart will be broken and i i've had a handful of times when all of a sudden someone would come up to me that was with our group and they would just be in tears and saying oh my goodness i saw it i'm seeing it they're like totally rejecting god and there is no hope for them absolutely absolutely absolutely
3: Vladimir Sunday school class mm-hmm. last week. He was preaching on Second uh, Corinthians four, and I think it's really appropriate for what, what we're discussing here. It says, "We, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God, and if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers mm-hmm. to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ." Mm-hmm is the image of God, for we proclaim not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, ourselves as your servants. Mm-hmm. So here he ties in their blindness this unbelievable picture of the glory of God mm-hmm. which people don't forget. Right. And it'd be like me walking up to you in the supermarket, let's say that you're going to buy a tomato and there's a ripe one over here and I start yelling at you for buying the tomato how receptive are you to to <laughs> that, right? Right in real life not at might, all this doesn't work but if I came along and said hey you know consider this you might be a bit more open to it right I remember being in college in downtown Chicago and mm. street preachers would be down there yelling at people right and you're like this isn't really working <laughs> <laughs> there's this confrontational aspect that mm-hmm. gets you nowhere but when you see this unbelievable picture of God's glory right and to your point that they're rejecting God mm-hmm. not Mm-hmm. and to go, well, let me show you a better way. Come right. on, beside somebody. You know, that gets you so much fun.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, when, and I would, I would agree that there's all, there are some street preachers that there is a lot more of the, the judgment coming from breaking the law than there is of grace. But I have also seen street preachers who have done Such an incredible job. And people are rejecting them, And people are cursing at them, And people are doing all kinds of things. But then there's that one individual that all of a sudden comes up. I've seen individuals be saved by the street preachers that have those signs and that are open-air preaching. Um, What is the message? And where is the heart in that message? Sometimes we can be sort of a little... Egotistical in the fact that we are doing something that very few Christians would ever feel comfortable doing by street preaching. And you can't have that attitude. Um,
1: I was just saying that uh,
0: Pendulet, everybody knows hmm. Pendulet Absolutely. In fact, um, can you, Fabian, can you go ahead and play? I've got just a short video for you guys to watch. All right. I think that if you're
2: a true Christian, you don't consider Christianity just a part of your. follow the teachings of the Bible, specifically uh, Mark 16 and 15, which says, go out into the world and preach the good news to all creation. Then uh, you have an obligation to share that faith with others. If you saw a building on fire and you knew there were people in it, and you knew that you were capable of running in there and saving someone who wouldn't be able to help themselves, if you knew that you could help them, would you just stand there and do nothing? And unfortunately, By not clearly seeing the issue, I think that's what a lot of Christians do, is they just stand there. I think, by and large, most of it is that most Christians are not really well-educated as to their own religion's position on various issues. They consider worshiping Jesus to be part of their lives, but not their primary purpose. And I believe that true Christianity considers it to be the primary purpose. And If you're a true Christian, you believe that those who are not Christians, those who have not followed the teachings of the Bible, uh, that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, those people aren't going to heaven. They're going to hell. Hell's not a fun place.
0: I have heard Christians,
2: definitely, uh, that have the view that everyone is entitled to their own belief, and that's not necessarily a bad position to have, but if you believe that what they believe is going to earn them a place in eternal suffering, then there's a problem with that, in that you're allowing them to be tortured for eternity, while at the same time believing that you shouldn't save them from that. It's it's very awkward. If you really believe that uh, people who are not Christians are going to hell, then that is a, a very serious consequence. And if you don't take that seriously, I think that you might be compromising your own belief system. Those who do take their faith seriously, they need to encourage or teach those who might not how important that is. Sometimes I think Christians are afraid of being labeled as a Bible thumper or uh, to have uh, negative connotations associated with it. But that's not necessarily negative if you're a Christian, I think it's something to be proud of. There's nothing to be ashamed of if you're a Christian about the Bible or being a Bible thumper. It's something to be proud of. It's something that you take seriously. And it's something that you should encourage others to take seriously as well. And it might require you to challenge yourself, to stand up in front of crowds, to talk to people that you don't know. Missionaries work in places uh, where the predominant religion is not Christianity, and that's a completely different scenario uh, than, you know, in most parts of the United States. But they they take it in stride, they accept it, and they move on. You shouldn't take rejection personally, but consider it uh, that you gave them a fighting chance. Give them a fighting chance at heaven, Uh, even if if you do have to... uh, risk offending someone, or risk of friendship. Uh, it's a simple matter of way of priorities. If I were a Christian, of course I would take the Bible seriously. I respect people who take their beliefs seriously. And I would take the Bible's teachings seriously. Among those teachings is the idea that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And those that accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, go to heaven, and those that don't go to hell. And the implications of that are very far-reaching,
0: and you're an atheist? Yes, I sure am. How did I know that you're going gonna- it's, to. It's pretty powerful when God uses an atheist to convict you Amen. about the importance of sharing the gospel. Um, and that's why we do evangelize is because we recognize that there are people that are going to spend an eternity in hell and so we're willing to go and meet them wherever they are we're willing to share the gospel we're willing to affect our friendships and even if even if we are willing to risk our friendships we need to consider that we are offering to them eternity and it's worth it it's worth it and really when it comes down to it uh, christian how many times i mean those who don't accept that's one form of rejection but i mean how many times have you had individuals that as you share the gospel and they are rejecting you, or angry, and you are able to talk them through it, that they end up shaking your hand, or taking the time to say thank you. Oftentimes, that individual has a certain level of respect, even if you've said something that hurt. You know, we used to always say, it's interesting that You know, if you had a pack of hyenas that were eating on something and you threw a rock into the middle of them, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. And when we're sharing the gospel to a large group of individuals, the one that is giving you the most rejection, it's probably because they just got hit by the gospel. And we need to recognize that. So, all right. Let's go ahead and let's go to the five encouragements about rejection. Two (laughs) dollars. All right. We have five B's. And I'm not talking about bumblebees or honeybees, although that would be fun to talk about. Um, The first one, be comforted. John 15, 20 through 21. All right, John 15, 20 through 21 says this. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they also keep, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. So, we can see that because Jesus was persecuted, we will be persecuted. We can actually take some comfort in that, because through the persecution, we become stronger. We become more resilient. We develop tougher skin. And that should be something that we should look towards in with gladness. All right. Um, suffering for the faith is an evidence that we are in the faith ourselves. Going back to our initial verse, the First Peter four fourteen: The Spirit of glory and God rest on you, for those who are insulted. In the name of Christ. All right. We can look at individuals in the scriptures. Who are some individuals that were highly persecuted um, besides Jesus Christ? Paul. Paul. He was persecuted. I mean, we get a nice list of all of those persecutions, right? In the book of Romans. Um, who else? What? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Elijah. Elijah. Hmm. Judah. Jonah. Oh, Jonah. Yeah. There was some, Although he was, in some ways, he was the reluctant prophet, wasn't he? Um, Joseph. Yeah. Joseph. Yeah, As you're going through your Bible reading plan, you know, you're getting into the, I think a week ago got into the end of Genesis reading about Potiphar. And it's interesting because ultimately who is the wife that is given to him by Pharaoh? The daughter. Potiphar's daughter. How? What a turnaround. So the wife who wanted to be intimate with him doesn't get that opportunity, but then the daughter does. They had just a her. <laughs> God writes the best stories. Anyway, um, Noah, right? Didn't it say that as he was building the ark, that he was ostracized for his belief because he was proclaiming it's going to rain and they're going, what is rain? And pff, who cares? We want an encouragement.
1: All right. How long did
0: he preach the gospel for? 250 it, yeah, 250 years. And Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. What about... And granted, Jeremiah, Mm -hmm. the weeping prophet, he preached for 40 years. Mm -hmm. Did anyone turn and repent? No. Not a person. But do you think that he ran the race well? Mm -hmm. (sighs) Faithfully? Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't matter about the success per se. What truly matters is that you are just in the game. All right. You just have to share the gospel. Number two, be merciful. This is going back to love, right? Mercy is where we are showing compassion and love. We're recognizing that the individual is truly lost without this gospel. And so we are merciful. 1 Peter 2, 23 through 24. All right. So 1 Peter 2, 23 through 24. Um, actually, I'll, let me start in 22. He, meaning Jesus, committed no sin, Recognize that this wonderful gospel that you have been given, that it will has the potential of healing their wounds, healing their sins, helping them to be made whole again, and to be then adopted into this eternal family. Recognize what a beautiful thing that you are presenting to them. Alright, number three. Be available. Be available. Um, if the person who rejects the gospel when you have given it is around, do not be afraid of them, but make yourself available. Show them that their anger and their resentment will not end the relationship. Oftentimes, when we demonstrate that we have thick skin, when we are rejected, oftentimes that has a, a very, it has a lot of power in affecting that individual. Why? Hmm? Why? Why? Uh, let's see. Let's go to uh, Proverbs 25 21 through 22. All right. Proverbs 25. 21 through 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Oftentimes when we actually rise above the attacks, when we... Stay strong and recognize that what we've done when we've shared the gospel that they rejected, it demonstrates to them that there is a power in that. And it also demonstrates that there is a love that's inside of you that could not, that has to be special. It has to be unique. To be able to receive the attack, but yet still be there for them, to still demonstrate love towards them and being merciful, that, that has a powerful message. And individuals, normally when someone attacks another person, do they ever want to be around that person ever again? No. no. But when you demonstrate the love and you, in a sense, are saying to them, I still want to be around you, then that's going to all of a sudden bring this question, why? Why would they want to be around me? And that humility and that love says so much, says sometimes even more than what our words can say. And that has a power to it. All right. Number four, be hopeful. Be hopeful. Having a positive attitude recognizes that God is in control and that there is a power within you that produces the hope that you have. All right? Matthew 16:26 Matthew 16:26 says For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So when it comes down to it, we are hopeful because of what we are willing to give up by the gospel. We're willing to give up our needs and put those secondary to the needs and the will of God and that gives us a hope of being with Jesus Christ one day and we recognize that when we share the gospel it's only when the gospel is shared can individuals come to a saving knowledge I mean if you think about it yourselves how many times had you heard the gospel prior to coming to salvation I mean, for for most of it, it may have been dozens of times, especially if you are a child living with Christian parents. You're going to hear that gospel pretty much every time you get disciplined because that's really what you're hoping. That, you know what, the pain that you feel right now because of the wrong deed that you have, that pain was what Christ suffered and went through himself. And that's why we are pointing you towards Christ. That's why we want you to see that in Him, that there will be no more tears, that there will be no more sadness. All right? Jim Elliott, this was his quote, one of his quotes. Are you guys familiar with Jim Elliott? All right. Who's not? Jim Elliott was a... um, a missionary that in the 1950s, he and a team of gentlemen and their wives, four of them, yeah, they went to Ecuador, and they were actually going in and planning on um, sharing the gospel to this group of natives in Ecuador. Hmm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what ended up happening to them was through a period of time, they... They used this technique with an airplane to drop supplies down to these individuals. And they were hoping that over doing this for a number of months, that they would develop some type of friendship with them so that they could come in and actually minister to them. What ended up happening, though, is, is that they landed their plane on this riverbank, and then they, they were in the camp, I think only for a couple of days. There was one, the first day, three individuals came out and spent time with them. Um, but then the next day, the entire tribe came out and killed them all. And what ended up happening was, you would think that the story ends there, but it doesn't. Because ultimately what ends up happening is one of those individuals comes to Christ And then as she leaves, she's able to bring in the wives and children of the dead missionaries into the village. And ultimately, the majority of those individuals came to salvation. They ended up having a hope that what was started by their husbands who sacrificed their lives was going to reach these individuals, and it did. And so there's an actual the movie well the book, Through end of the, huh? Through the gates of splendor. Through the gates of splendor, and then they did a movie like a, a documentary type of thing. Um, yeah, and they actually had individuals from the tribe as they were young kids. Now it, they are older, and one of them they actually brought back to the U.S. the son of Jim Elliot brought back to the US very a fascinating video to watch. So, I think it was the documentary was called Not The Game. It was, it was of the spear. End of the Spear. Yeah, thank you. End of the Spear. So, all right. Last one. Be prayerful. All right. Be prayerful. What could you pray for? Number 1. Pray for opportunities. Pray for those silver platter moments. As my wife says, those moments where God, the the individual that you're talking to, all they say, you know, they say something, and you know, oh, I've that's the open door. I need to share the gospel. Um, pray for those opportunities. Pray for those that God puts into your mind, those that you know that you need to share the the gospel with. So. Whenever you think of someone that you know needs to hear the gospel, pray for them. Pray for that when you are sharing the gospel, pray that the Spirit will empower you and that you will not share the gospel or allow yourself to get into the flesh. There are times, I hate to say it, there are times when I've allowed my flesh to get the best of me, and I end up saying something, and I know that the way that I said it and the tone that I said it was meant to hurt. And that's nothing, that's, you never want to do that. You always want to stay in the Spirit. Have the gifts of the Spirit at the center, and so pray for that, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, um, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and loving kindness, or self-control. Have those be at the center. And then also pray for strength in those moments of rejection. Pray that the Lord will just empower you to be strong. Not on your own abilities, but on God's abilities. That in my weakness, He is strong. And trust in that. Trust in that. Alright, any questions? Yes? I was going to say is that you've said the word a number of times. You would not
1: believe how many professing Christians don't know what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. And so they, when you ask them, do they consider themselves to be a good person? Christian, people who profess Christ, people in their own church, say well yes i'm a very good person so i think it's important that you explain what the, i mean all of us should know what it is mm-hmm. but explain to us what the gospel actually
0: is okay two minute two minute gospel two minutes. Two, minutes. two minutes number one god god is the one and only he is holy 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 which means that there's none like him and his Holiness is demonstrated in all of creation because all of creation cannot even come close to who he is. And one of his qualities is perfection and righteousness. He cannot be present in sin. Um, And of his creation, the greatest of creation is humanity. He created humanity to be image bearers of him. Having abilities that are separate from all other things in creation the ability to create, the ability to love, the ability to, to rule. All of these abilities are special abilities given to us. But in that, there was this perfect union between God and humanity. And that was then crushed when man, humanity ended up doing what God commanded them not to do. And that is to take the fruit from the tree of life good and evil. And when that was consumed, sin came into the world. It cursed all of creation but not just creation. It create, cursed the entire lineage of man. And because of that, we now are separated from God. We are separate and He is in heaven while we are here. But before leaving man, He promised that He would provide a way to be reunited with God, that he would provide the one who is going to destroy death and the serpent and that he would provide a way for man's sin to be removed, to be reunited with God. And that's exactly who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ, who was 100% God, yet 100% man. How can you explain that? I can't but he lived the perfect life. He lived the perfect life and then went to the cross and died for the sins of his people. And that if you repent, turn away because of a godly sorrow, not a worldly sorrow, a godly sorrow, you turn away and you go towards Christ and you believe in him as the propitiation, the the one who sacrificed himself for you, then you will have faith, and you will be a child of God. That's the gospel. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for everyone that is here. And I just pray that your people will be encouraged, that we will be more faithful including myself, in just sharing the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for the glorious gospel and allowing us to be part of this ministry of reconciliation. We pray this in your Son's holy name. Amen.